and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 72 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph B. Avenue. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? There's some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So this might be the last episode no. recorded on St. Claude. No, no, no probably not, because we, we may still be in here after after you're officially moved out. Plus there might be, we'll definitely have more episodes in here, plus there's other episodes down the road, right, that can be in here, because we know who's going to take over the space. True. So. But we are back on St. Claude again. Indeed. And we have some guests with us today. We have Amé San Savant and Shadow Angelina. How are y'all doing today? doing pretty good how are you good 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 and they are the hosts of the esoterotica reading series which is at always correct always lounge yeah the always lounge every other wednesday nice and we're going to talk about erotica in general but specifically erotic poetry today since this is no good poetry yeah (laughs) So yeah, so your series has been going for, the reading's been going for a while now. It seems like you've developed like a really particular uh, following of people like uh, around that. Um, uh, I like it. I think it seems like, it seems like, uh, it seems like you've tried, like, it seems like there's quite a following of of folks. And uh, I mean, have you been doing it for how long now? Uh, Seven years next month, Seven years, right. And you've been doing it every every other week for seven years? Yep. Wow. That's a lot of time and effort put into that. (laughs) Yes. But worth it, right? Oh, definitely. Very yeah. much. Um, so, and you just had a reading, wait, last night? Yep, Did last night. Okay. Um, and um, what do you think's, what do you think's the, uh, I don't know, I mean, like, how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we even go into this? Are we, oh, well, so we're talking a little before the show. Before the show, And yeah. this, and you said one thing that you get asked a lot is people want to know what is the definition of erotica what makes something erotica rather than some other kind of literature and one of the things that i usually say back is that erotica begins in the mind sometimes it travels to the heart and sometimes it travels to the genitals but it begins (laughs) in this square foot of real estate which is your brain um and so erotica inherently is what gets you excited, what raises your blood pressure, what makes your pulse go, what makes you sweat, what makes your pupils dilate. And that isn't the same for everyone. Yeah, definitely not. For some people it is touch, and for other people it is scent, and for other people it is this ineffable, wonderful feeling that you get that you can't duplicate in any other way. And most often it has to do with two people. But it doesn't necessarily have to. A lot of times you can just be feeling yourself, and that is intensely erotic. You can be proud of yourself. You can love sensuality without ever even having to touch on sexuality. The sexuality is just as valid. But I think a lot of people look at erotica and think that it's smut. And smut is totally a valid art form. But it is so much more than one thing. Human beings are so much more than one thing, and what moves us is so not easily defined and I think that's what makes erotica such a a wonderful broad brush to paint with is that human beings aren't simple so neither is it 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. That, that that's um, one of the one of the things that we do say when we get asked a lot about why we chose erotica or what, um, how we, I guess, how we define erotica. We get when we get submissions or people are asking if they want to join join the show and things. Is uh, well, you know, I don't know that I really write erotica. I was like, well, do you use sensual language? <laughs> do you explore the senses? And your work, and most of the time, everybody's like, "Well, yeah, that's that's poetry, that's that's writing," but but that's not a given, though. Yeah, no, no, not it's not. But you know, that's uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, okay," and we've definitely had things on the stage that don't that that aren't about you know sex directly; that they are b- yeah. more about the senses and the experience of the senses and and experiencing l- your life and yourself or others sensually. Like, it was several years ago, we had an entire show that was devoted to the cerebral affair. Mm-hmm. That the, the theme of that was not the, the sex itself, that it was, like, all of, like, what you said, what happens in the mind and what, what triggers that, that initial, you know, excitement and the imagination and, you know, all of those things that, that ultimately actually, like, turn you on. And we have a show coming up that is dedicated to intimacy, that is dedicated to being in love, that is dedicated to the sort of connection that human beings feel towards one another, and that in itself is inherently erotica. Yeah, but I think maybe that's why people ask that question, though, is because they are confused, like, what's the difference between love poetry and erotica, then? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe I, I don't know. I think that question is probably asked a lot because because I think like um, everyone sees the color of blue in the sky, different shade of blue. Really, you know what I mean? Like, like so when so yeah, there, it's, it is a difference. It's almost yeah. like it comes packaged with this emotion already. Like, oh, what's erotica? Right? Like it's already packaged with an emotion behind it. Whatever emotion that whatever person who thinks of that brings into it, right, or asks the question. Dare they ask the question? Because for some people, it might even be difficult to ask the question itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Be- oh, right? yeah. Because yeah. it is because it is packaged with emotion, good and bad, the spectrum of emotion, right? And tapping into the senses uh, is is um, you know sometimes people get so caught up in one sense that they they don't give enough time to the other five. Mm. Sure, and then you have the the social issues that that tell you that you know. Well, this particular kind of writing isn't serious writing, so you need to stay like this if you want to be a serious writer. If you want to be a serious poet, you shouldn't touch on this. You need to stay in sort of these realms, and you know what I mean. Like when it, whether that comes to erotica or comedic writing, satire, there are certain forms of writing that don't get nearly as much respect as others inherently, just based on the topic. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, it's that's true, but it just seems so odd to me. With, I mean. To me, like all, it seems like the most, the earliest great poetry I can think of is erotic poetry. Yeah, I would agree. I uh, there's what, <laughs> an ancient Sumerian about four thousand yeah. years ago. There's the first. There's Sumerian, and there's some great Chinese, ancient Chinese mm-hmm. erotic poetry, and yeah. and then you know, and then you get into Western culture with Sappho and Catullus, and mm-hmm. and then uh, you even go to the Bible. Yeah, yeah, the Bible. The Bible another amazing erotic poetry. <laughs> So it, it's true. Actually, it, uh, we do a band book show 
um, usually nice. like once a year. And that's one of my favorite things to do at that show. Because we usually get people who have never come before because it's like, oh, banned books, yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll pull out the uh, Song of Songs. And I'm standing up there reading out of the Bible, and everybody's like, what is even happening right now? It's, but that's real. It's, it's, it's been something that people have done since the very beginning of, of writing. It's a great trick, though, that they, they managed to convince everyone it was an allegory so they could continue to have that included in the Bible. <laughs> You know, sometimes you got to do whatever you have to do to keep good art around. Um, I was going to say, there's this, uh, this just, re- it just reminded me of this sort of flash in my mind, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was in uh, the, I want to say it was the Gutenberg Museum that I went to in Mainz, but they have the first print, the, they have the first known print block of an advertising piece, and it's Chinese, and it's a print block, and it has a little poem on it. And it's a funny little poem, and I, I might be able to find it like on my phone in a minute. But it's an advertising piece advertising needles, and it has a bunny rabbit on it, and it's absolutely erotic. <laughs> and it's like a poem, and it's nice. the first at known advertising piece. So it incorporates poetry, eroticism. That's cool. And a little bu- and a rabbit and a, bu- and a bunny and a bunny, and it's advertising for needles. Oh wow! They're selling sewing needles. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to see that. <laughs> I mean, you know, sex sells, right? Yeah. <laughs> and evidently always has, right? <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot of people writing erotica out there that don't realize that they're writing erotica, probably. There's also a lot of people, I think, writing erotica that sort of leave it in their journal or leave it on their bedside table, and that's one of the things that I think that Ame really wanted to uh, give people a space to take that out of their bedside table and be able to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the... Not and not just share it, uh, but also like, I guess explore that too. Because if you if you take something and you're just writing it for yourself in a journal and it's just thoughts or whatever, but if you know other people are going to hear it, it makes you rethink some things as a writer and grow as a writer and uh, maybe not use the same word for any particular thing that you always use or you know do it up a little bit and uh so that's something that we've we've seen a lot on this stage too where um some writers will they'll they'll get up the courage and they'll they'll join us and they'll read for the first time and their their pieces are are very good but they're maybe a little simplistic or they're a little hesitant with their with their words not just in the performance but then within months they'll just like blossom almost, or just start trying out new poetic forms or exploring things that they never thought to before. And that's super exciting and it's wonderful to see. And because we don't, um, our our regular cast of writers, we don't pre-screen all of the work after a while um, because we trust them to understand consent and things like that. Um, (laughs) But uh, so it's a surprise for us sometimes too uh, all of these things. So we, in a way, get to experience like this process with them and their exploration of their own writing and ideas and feelings and thoughts. And it's, it's just great. So it seems I've only been to your reading a couple times, I think. But it seems, which is really cool to me, but it seems like you get a pretty good portion 
of people who wouldn't necessarily be going to readings in other settings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who come to Esoterotica that I don't see at other poetry readings, that I don't see at other poetry events, that I have never seen before, and then the next time I see them, they've brought friends. Um, and I think that there's there's something, you know, there's something delightfully naughty and a little dirty about going to an erotic poetry reading. But, you know, once you get past that, the work is solid, the work is there, and so that's what keeps people returning. But yeah, definitely you get people who are, who think, I'm not a person who really likes poetry. Yeah, yeah. And then you say, well, why don't you come? It's free. So if you have a bad time, you could just leave. <laughs> and they usually end up staying, and they usually end up coming back, and then they start to rethink poetry as something other than, oh, this crap I have to read in high school that I don't connect with at all, that no one's really explained to me, and so this is just the thing i got to do to get a B. Yeah. Yeah, which is another... I mean, we talk about that all the time. That's part of the problem. People get these ideas about what poetry is, so I do think that's a great thing about what y'all are doing. It's another way of... A B. Uh, more like a C. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It's another way of making people realize that's not what poetry is. That's not what literature is, right? There's all these well, other you know, things. I, you know? I, I hold this sort of thought about poetry um, just mostly, because, mostly from having taught poetry and, and taught writing. It's like poetry is sort of like this word that everything gets lumped into you know where it's like you have like you have playwriting that's very specific you have screenwriting that's very particular in a form you have stories you have you know you have like novels and then essays flat fiction flash fiction you know all the way down mm -hmm. sort of like right and then and then when you what you know sort of you cross over this little footbridge you know for the better or for worse and you know sometimes some people like the bridge on their way over it you go over and then all of a sudden you're in the poetry world and it's like this vast swaths of like you know crazy land and you're like oh my god the poetry world is so varied you know and for me i think like more like as a poet it's like walking through that landscape with an esoteric with an esoteric and an erotic mind is like the journey there is like is like actually having a way to be able to tap into those things as they come and and being able to move in and out of them rather than being rather than having to be like oh i'm I identify with these things rather than being like, oh, I'm like, I write specifically this type of work. I think also when it comes to poetry and the definition of poetry, for people who are not inherently in love with the art form already, it is almost like, in, in medical terms, like a diagnosis of exclusion. Well, if it's not this, 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 and this, then it's poetry. <laughs> yes, um, that's And so it's yeah. just like a catch-all <laughs> oh, this be. thing that we don't really know how to define, but I'm probably not going to get, and I'm going to be really bored, and so I'd like to leave and just take my coffee with me, please. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know... What I love about poetry is that it can be so many different things. You don't have oh, to find yeah. it one yeah. way. I have pneumonia, but you got poetry. Right. Sorry to tell you. You know what? I feel like, in fact, it is one of my lifelong afflictions. Um, so there's that. Um, but when it, when it comes to the, like the show that we do, we don't have one style that's preferred. Whenever you begin a culture of a poetry reading, very often there is, okay, well, we prefer long form, we prefer short form, we prefer haiku. And you can tell the things that the audience sort of gets into more or that the people who are running it sort of more appreciate. Um, and so then it begins to be curated sort of more that way. And even if it's not intentionally curated, people go knowing, oh, this is the place where I can, like slam poetry, for instance, which is amazing. You very rarely have people go to slam poetry readings bringing a different kind yeah. of or different yeah. format of work and with our show we don't have any one 
type of poetry that is more popular, I guess you could say, than the other. We have people who write such vastly different kinds of work. We have things from sonnets to, you know, like absolutely raunchy, hilarious, delicious, in-your-face poems to the complete subtlety of uh, in emotional intimacy and the sensual nature of life and all of them existing all on the same stage. And so in that way, I think that's one of the reasons why we get so many people who aren't, you know, who don't think of themselves as poetry people. Yeah. It's because you can go and you're not going to like everything there. I don't like everything there. It's not for me. It's for poetry. It's for writing. It's for this expression. And so you will inevitably find something that you're like, oh, wow, that's not what I would have thought I was going to get. Oh, that's really cool. Well, let's come back in two weeks and see if there's something else like that or something else that I didn't know I liked that's going to mm. be existing here. Nice. And that's what, with the revolving cast of writers, too. Um, we have some regulars, and then we'll have new people. We have people that'll read with us maybe twice a year and, like, come and go. That's, you know, like we said, we have so many different styles. Well, we have so many different voices and sensibilities as well. And that's one of the things I personally love about the show. And that's one of the... It makes every show different. So it's not just the same writers in their styles every time doing a different piece. It's actually, like, sometimes completely different people from one show to the next mm -hmm. as well, which I feel also appeals to a lot of the audience and makes people um, want to come back and maybe enjoy things more because, you know, it's like you heard the one thing that was really your thing and then some other stuff that was good. Well, the next show, there might be people that, like, everything is... Like, everybody brought their A-game, and it's amazing, and it's all just for you, and you feel like like a whole new world opened up for you as far as, like, literature and experience, and maybe you got some ideas of some things you want to try later, and, you know. <laughs> Whether that be yeah. writing or not. <laughs> and that's another great thing, I think, about going to live poetry, is that so many people will tell me, oh, hey, I, I wrote this thing after the last show, and they yeah. don't necessarily want to share it. They're not ready to yet. They still want to do more editing, or maybe they never will share it. But they leave inspired. Yeah, it inspired something, and they tried. Yeah. When, when you read poetry at home alone, it is a fantastic experience. But it is a different experience than going and hearing people deliver poetry Absolutely. directly to your yeah. ears in their tone, their inflection, and being able to. It's you know, it's the difference between reading a book and having the audio book read by the author. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you yeah. can see where all those little pieces of texture live for them maybe this will be a good time to hear some poetry yeah <laughs> all right so this one is called i love the word fuck i love the word fuck the way it perches on the thick meat of my tongue leaps off the back of it direct shot towards my teeth glides its belly along my bottom lip as it exits into the world it is omnipurpose I haven't yet found a way to constrain it. Don't know why I'd want to. I can use fuck in so many situations. Fuck is a multitasker. We have a lot in common. Me and a well-placed fuck. It's dominant and pleading. It's disappointment and relief. It's directional and fluid. Fuck lacks pretension. It isn't trying to be something it isn't. It appears to relinquish euphemistic nuance, but fuck encompasses envelopes. It's a clear transition, a placeholder, a shield to hide behind or a knife to wield. An intentional fuck can change the entire nature of a thing. From the feeling in a room, 
to the tone of a disagreement, to the way you relate to another person with whom you have chemistry. It is the epitome of emphasis. Fuck can be radical or pedestrian, can be a child asserting themselves or an adult with none left to give. It is pure. And also muddy as, well, fuck. It's unparalleled in its versatility and in its breadth of its beauty. It can be a warning. Don't fuck up. A praise. Well fucking done. A thousand questions. What the fuck? As many answers. Fucking right. The acknowledgement of a fact. Oh, they're fucked. At the end of the conversation, fuck you or the beginning of one, fuck me. A promise. I'm gonna fuck your world up. It can be wonder and joy and intimacy. I fucking love you. There is seemingly endless power in this one little word, so do it. Bend, scratch, tease, grasp, clench, bite, crowd, release. Leave my muscles aching, my breath staccato. Come for me, and always. <laughs> so is that something you wrote thinking I'm gonna read this at the reading or just oh, sure. was yeah 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 I mean I so when I first started reading um, we didn't create Esoterotica together that was all Ame um, and she and I had been friends for long before that um, and then she sort of trusted me to start helping out with some of the responsibilities for the show yeah. and um, as it as it grew it it got it became very quickly something i realized that i wasn't going to be able to do it justice to alone <laughs> and since i didn't screw up on the responsibilities that she gave me i just keep got, like kept getting more yeah um, great that's usually then, how that works wow. yeah and so then we became co-producers but one of the things that i i tried to do when i first started i wasn't writing all that much i was if i was writing i was writing for myself i wasn't sharing it um and then I started reading something maybe every couple of essos and then as it went on I found myself inspired every two weeks being filled and you know being just excited about the idea of getting these thoughts that I had these feelings that I had um, down on paper and then being able to deliver them and see how they felt with other people because very often writers are it's, it's an inherently isolating experience to be a writer. It is something that you most often do in a room alone with a drink of something and sometimes a cigarette next to you or you do it in a coffee shop with your earbuds in and it's still very isolating. And so being able to know I'm going to be capable of sharing this every two weeks. Yeah. So now I write every two weeks almost without fail. And if it's not great, then it's not great. And if it's awesome, it's awesome. It's all a part of this process that I'm personally having. But yes, most often I write with the idea of this may be heard. And for me, that's, that helps. Because I'm always trying to find this, this thread that humanity has these two things in common, language and sexuality. And it doesn't matter what cross-section of humanity from any time period you are, whether it's how yeah. you want sex or if you don't want it at all. 
but we have sexuality and language in common. Yeah. And so being able to find the threads where other people can hear work that is specifically about like my queer femme experience in life, someone who shares none of those same characteristics can still see themselves in the work, can find the same humanity that, that unites us in the work. That's an incredible challenge that I love, that I think a lot of people really get into, is being able to write my own experience in a way with, without using cliche while describing it as my own, where someone else can still connect to it and can still see themselves in the work. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's nice because it's like you create like a safe space for like you to present your work, but also it to be like open received by whoever comes on, you know, any given, any given week, you know. Um, but like that challenge to make it accessible, but also not trite or not, you know, you want to make it unique and... I mean, that is the goal, I think, of, like, most... Well, not all poets, but I guess if you're working hard, if you're a hard-working poet. <laughs> I think also Ame created that. Yeah. You know, I, that was... there's. We've been told that there's a culture around our particular night, and I think Ame is definitely the architect of it, of having... You, you can be more. You can be better. You can try harder. You can find this way of not saying things in a way that's expected because she is so in love with language. And here I am just talking about you like you're not here. Um, <laughs> That's okay. She is so in love with language and literature and poetry and writing that, you know, even the compliments she gives people aren't just things you would normally hear. And so that inspires all of us to sort of elevate. And even if it's not elevate, look at what you've written and go, can I do that better? Can I do that differently? Can that be more tailored to me rather than tailored to what you expect to hear? Yeah. Do you want to... Read it. Do you want to read a piece? I could. Um, I don't know. Then, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in your books here. You've got three different ones. Yes. So our first one. Talk about is, that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Beyond Desire, and this one is uh, a reprint of our first book, but also includes our two friend shows. Um, we had two shows that were collaboratively written and performed by esoteric people for uh, two different years for Fringe, and one of them was called The Highlight of the Fringe, which was pretty cool, um, but they are uh, Perspectives and Beyond Desire, and so that's what's contained in the first book. The second book is In Flame, and they're all anthologies, and then the third one is Longing. Nice. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in the process as well of... Um, this year we decided instead of doing like another huge anthology... Uh, we wanted to do uh, some others that were more themed. Okay, yeah, So yeah. Uh, later this year, we're going to start releasing some uh, just, I guess, smaller, like, more chapbook style. Yeah, um, that'll be neat, yeah. That are, that are themed. Like, we have one that's planned that's, like, a, that, that, the heavy emotional, very, um, you know, some... I don't know. I don't want to... I don't know how the, the, the some of the... They were like a little, little gut wrenching occasionally. Some, I, some you know, less. Everybody likes a little but heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, but then also uh, some of our more popular shows. Uh, we like for several years now we've done um, uh, an all nerd erotica <laughs> that is always one of our more popular shows. So we're gonna uh, collect some of those that aren't uh, just total copyright infringements um, into a book um, because, you know, we're about other people's intellectual property. We don't want to capitalize on, on 
anyone else's work per se. Um, but then also uh, one that's all uh, like kink and fetish, one that's uh, literotica, basically, like either whether it was inspired by uh, fairy and folk tales or myths or just is about how much uh, words themselves can be erotic. And we have over, over, over the past seven years, we have a nice uh, amount of, of work from a variety of wonderful uh, writers that we thought we'd pull from as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've kind of alluded to that, but so a lot of times you'll have themes, or is it always a theme, or is it just periodically that you have themes for the reading? Most of, most of the shows are themed. They're, they're sort of like umbrella themes. Like, for instance, the next one is uh, it's called Love You Madly, which is uh, the experience of loving. And everything that that can entail. Because we don't want to, like, limit the writers too much. Yeah. You know, whatever that theme sparks, go with that. Um, but uh, quarterly we do unthemed shows as well, which are also a great time for if somebody um, isn't sure if they want to read and they have some <laughs> mm-hmm. pieces, you know, they don't necessarily want to wait for a theme or we don't want to make someone try to twist something into a theme. But so they could, you know, join the show or read for the first time, you know, at one of the unthemed shows as well. So, yeah, we do those quarterly, too. And they're fun for us, too, because if there's something that we have been noodling and working on, um, you know, we can premiere it at an unthemed show if it doesn't. So that seems like a great idea so like, to, to do the, the more chapbook-sized things because it's kind of already mm-hmm. split up in that way. It would be, yeah, it seems yeah. like the perfect format to do that with. And in our books, we have chapters. Um, so you have chapters that are sort of more thematic and whatnot, but we also really liked the idea of doing books that are smaller so that their cost is less, so that mm-hmm. you can get a like little book of poetry and bring it home with you for as much as like beer and shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And like not even with the tip. So that you can take something home with you because one of the things about art and, you know, poetry is that it is inherently a little more expensive because most of us are producing our own books and producing our own work and when you're doing it at that kind of small level it's not cheap to do and so you need to be able to make that money back but when you have much smaller things like chapbooks then people who you know are just like us and are working in service industry in New Orleans that are just trying to get by and do what we love as well can also afford to take some of that home. Sure, definitely. It's important. It's an important part of the culture. Yeah, pass these little things Absolutely. around. These little, you know, these little. Uh, well, and, that, and also it'll, to have a record of what's been going on at your reading too is great because people want people yeah. remember that and they're going to it and they want to be like, oh yeah, remember that that writer that always came to the thing and oh, we can have sure. some record of that. And that'll happen where people will come up and be like, is that there's this piece that I heard last year? Have you guys? put it in a book yet can I buy that I want to be able to read that to other people I want to be able to take that home um, but yeah that's that's another reason why we don't charge a cover for our shows is because you know and so therefore none of us make any money and none of the writers make any money but it means that this is accessible to you no matter where you're at no matter how much money you've got in your pocket you can come in and hear like New Orleans art original work and you know be able to leave and not have to feel like oh well you know I can't go to that thing because I don't have any money because sometimes we just don't have any money, but art's still for us. Yeah. Yeah, but you still want to go to something, see something. Yeah. Come to an event. Yeah. Uh, what do you have plans for those? That 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 you said there's a series coming out, a series of chapbooks. Yeah, we're planning on doing um, 
two now, um, two first at like the uh, end of November ish in time for the holidays. Well, every uh, every like end of November, early December, depending on when the show falls, uh, we do a, a local artist market in time cool. for the holidays to also promote because, of course, you know we're about local stuff, so we're mm-hmm. about so also supporting local artists, and we try to like bring the attention to you know no. So remember when you're if you're buying gifts, local arts, <laughs> you know. Um, so we'll sort of uh, premiere like two of them for that, and then we have an anniversary or no, um, our anniversary is next month, but the. Uh, Every year, our first show of the year is uh, the sexiest selections of the year before. And we have our audience and our other writers sort of nominate pieces that they feel were the absolute best um, as well. And so we'll probably put like one or two out for that as well. And then maybe after Mardi Gras. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That sounds neat. Yeah, we're super excited about it. I like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the the, no, the but thick anthologies, but like, I'm excited about having the little something more little intentional and more yeah. like more like intentional and more you know direct directed. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, so that means when you know the person who's purchasing them is spending their money, they're not getting a whole book full of things that maybe aren't their thing. If your thing is just fetish, or you want to get this for your fetish partner, yeah, that's a good idea. About just it too, this. Yeah. yeah. You know, sing the little, little. Another way to open poetry up to people who aren't necessarily yes. interested in poetry, but it has a cross interest of theirs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you don't have to spend like 20, 30 bucks to get a book. You can spend much less than that. Get a little book. Try it out. See if it works for you. And if not, pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> uh, Amay, did you have a poem you wanted to read? Um, yeah. I could read the first thing I ever wrote for Esoterotica, oh, actually. Which, uh, I feel like I wrote it, like, I guess, like, just, just a couple of weeks before the first, the first show. The, it, it started as, um, we did some one-offs for, uh, like, Pride and Decadence, Decadence, and then went regular, um, in, in September. Um, so I feel like I, right before we went regular, I wrote this little thing, and... Find the page real quick. It's collected and it was in Desire, which was our first anthology. And now, of course, it's collected in Beyond Desire, which Shadow was just talking about. I am stalling for time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is, it's called Used Books. This book is not just a book, but a puzzle, an intimation, an invitation just for you. This book is waited, will wait, patiently, quietly, for you to have the time the inclination. This book has secrets to reveal, promises to make, lies to tell, confessions to whisper, fantasies to sell. This book has been touched, admired, explored, considered, passed over, soothed, used by others' hands whom you will never know. When you are finished with this book, you will still only know part of its story, its meaning, its purpose, its needs. This book has a rich fantasy life. <laughs> I like that, yeah. There's definitely something very central about used books, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that... Oh, yeah. Not, but you can see the history in them, too, which is the nice I, thing about it, yeah. I, uh, I, was, I, I was, like, trying to wrap my mind around my own personal bibliophilia, because I, I am not only a book lover and a paper lover, but I, I love 
I love the things that make books, you sure. know? And so oh, it's, yeah. like, it's oh, like a yeah. different level. Because I'm, like, taking it to, like, I want the letters, the type that, like, prints the books and <laughs> the paper and the ink, and it's just, like... I just that feeling of when you are able to walk into a, an old bookstore that sells used books and, like, the smell. Oh, yeah, the smell. Like perfumes that are that smell. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have them. Um, <laughs> Is there one called Bookworm, and can I borrow some? There's there's one that's called old paper. Old paper. And, oh man. So but, yeah. But the most amazing thing is, I have used books that I can't remember what bookstore I I bought it from, but then I can smell the book, and our it smells like that bookstore, uh-huh. right? And you can tell yeah. it's from that right. used bookstore, right? and it makes you remember that place. The memory of the yeah. old factory. Yeah. That is the strongest sense tied to memory, right? It so, is. So I mean, you just have that have that smell i have certain books of mine that i open up and i smell them and i can remember exactly where i was in the timeline of my life when i purchased that when i used to go to that particular bookstore yeah yeah (laughs) and you know the people that i knew then and the me that i knew then and all of that that ties so much for that to books for me but definitely old books i i did i did a book for i did a book for a lady and it was it wasn't an erotica book but Another girl came in here, and uh, she liked it so much that she wanted to use the exact thing for her erotica book, and it was called Your Secret Treasure. Nice. Oh, wow. Is that is it like a little zine? It wa- it wa- well, it, it's, you know, it's a book that ended up being a different purpose, but that was what the, the guts of it, or the... the, the oh, that's the so neat. Oh, yeah, this is great for an erotica book, too, because it's got the texture <laughs> and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah little like this is it's 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 a little piece of like plasticine paper that has gold stars on it and so it almost if you run your hand over it like really super lightly it feels like the dimples in skin it's perfect this is you have to check that out (laughs) so now so there's like you know so like yeah i think like you know i i i thought a lot about this and i thought you know we 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 had just and i had talked a little bit about poets you know, when it comes to erotic poetry, like, historically, like, who we, who I, like, would associate with erotic poetry or, like, pick up on, you know, like, I, I, I sort of, like, um, enjoyed feeling sort of, like, you know, like, well, we were, we, it was a different direction, and we were thinking about, like, you know, like, our introductions to, to erotic poetry, even in, like, the canon of, like, acade- like the, the academy, there's still things that come through, like, mm-hmm. my some of my inspirations or my professors would, would, would address these things, you know, and there's, and there's like, you know, I mean, starting with the romantic poets and, but also like, you know, Whitman and, you know, like the sort of like the, the energy that comes through Whitman in the erotic realm. Oh, absolutely. Like, was like a, so was like a battle for America, you know? I mean, <laughs> sure. we, we go back to Whitman in, in a certain sense of, you know, of him and character, the, the cult of personality of Whitman aside, you know, he, you know, he thought he could talk to butterflies and stuff, you know, he was a really interesting guy, but, um, <laughs> uh, he did, he had, like, butterflies that would stay on him all day, you know, oh, he, like, wow. he had this conversation with butterflies, you know, but, but he really kind of, like, in a certain way, you know, in retrospect, the idea of historiography, like, looking back at the past, like, Whitman, he was kind of kicking the doors open of erotica. Sure. In a completely different way. For, for America. For America. For America. Yeah. For America. Yeah. For America. Yeah. For America. Yeah. For America. Yes. We, At that time know, in America. We have our own set of puritanical problems, so yeah. for we America do. is actually very specific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know if Joseph was going to bring this up, but he, you know, Joseph translated Catullus's complete poems. Catullus has always been, like, for me, one of my, like, since... So, you know, we read Catullus in high school when we studied Latin, and uh, the, it was funny, because in the book, 
you know, you would read the poems you'd read in class mostly, and I fortunately had a good teacher who kind of told us what was going on. And you would have notes for some of the poems, and then there would be other poems that we weren't reading in class, <laughs> and there would be no notes. There would yeah. be no notes explaining anything uh-huh. under it. And so my teacher was like, yeah, well, those are the dirty poems. <laughs> and he's like, you should read those. And he even had me translate some of them, which was probably inappropriate in some ways, but it was awesome. And I just fell in love with Catullus so much, but it really always pained me to read translations of the more erotic poems especially because <laughs> people did such a terrible job on them. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, it, when, translating poetry in and of itself is an entire art form that is so incredible to me. But being able to not be afraid of the subject matter and the language and, you know, and then to find a way to mold it into which is the art form of translating at all but erotic stuff can make people super super weird so i can only imagine that oh there's some there's some hilarious catullus translations where especially from i mean you would think it's mostly from earlier but there's even stuff from like the 60s and 70s watching people use the most bizarre circumlocutions to talk about things that they're uncomfortable talking about i've got some of the worst translations of like naruda and rilke and the you know what i mean and you're just going what on earth have you done to that poem yeah why no but catullus to me has always been like uh and, I, and, 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 and interesting in, like, and it's just great. I mean, it's great. I mean, I think reading ancient poetry is great anyway to have this connection to someone from so long ago, but... And he was obviously so inspired by Sappho, and some of his poems are really just translations of Sappho's poems <laughs> into Latin, which is great, and Sappho is the same thing, but they had these wonderful, open fluid ideas about what sexuality is too it's not and to be like man these were people thousands of years ago and they're beyond where (laughs) most people are at now (laughs) i mean you know progress is not linear no yeah yeah well that's good you were saying that the, the the widening of what erotica is and that's why i know that there's there's a lot of debate about whether to put certain poems uh by Rumi mm-hmm. in with erotica or not because because like where where's the base that like if he is writing about an, the ecstasy of spirituality is that somehow different ecstasy than the ecstasy that you find experiencing another person or something in a sensual way and so I, I like the, I like yeah. the, you know, that's yeah. like, because... I would say you have to include Rumi. You know, in I don't think so. Just because <laughs> it's not necessarily like sex, it's, it's the, but the, the, the experiences are the same. I like, I like, I, I don't have an answer to that question. I just know that, like, that's something that I've heard people talk about. Yeah. I've talked about with people that somehow, like, well, well does this count? Well, I don't know that it couldn't. I guess that's kind of up to you. We can't ask him. (laughs) In my opinion, it has to, because it's like saying, okay, well, if we're talking about sexuality, then only this kind of sexuality counts as sexuality, and this kind of sexuality doesn't. And you know what I mean? Like, the experience of ecstasy is 
so limited when you think about the timeline of your human life yeah. that all ecstasy is valid, damn it. We're well, talking about true. Rumi, and, and, and <laughs> you know, it's like I like having my mind blown open. It's like today you're talking about Rumi, but I'm just like thinking about like, um, I mean, you know, like the Bible is complete erotica, like the entire yeah. thing, like the Immaculate yeah. Conception is like a piece of erotica that has been reworked time and time and time again. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah. but I mean, y'all were talking about. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Song of Songs and, and the Bible in general. And I think that Rumi and that are coming out of the same tradition, right? This idea of, yeah. of yeah, maybe some elements of it are allegorical. <laughs> but it's also very observational of real human things, and that's why it's useful as an allegory, right? Because it wouldn't be, if you didn't accurately observe those things, it wouldn't be a very good allegory, right? You... <laughs> well, the idea of, like, does, does sexuality and eroticism go past the act of sex? Of course it does. The act of love goes past the point where the person you love dies. That love doesn't just suddenly, like, go away, and, like, it wasn't there, and it's not valid because there's not someone you can touch with that love. You know what I mean? And so, you know, sex and sexuality it's, is not the only way to experience eroticism. Because, like I said in the beginning, for, for us at least, our opinion is that eroticism starts in the mind. It definitely starts in the mind. I have never felt or thought or experienced eroticism, whether that be within my own life or with partners or whatever, where my mind hasn't been engaged in some form or fashion, even if that's just through my eyes and my eyes finding what they like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of this is just a problem. People want categories to be neat, and they're not neat. And I couldn't help thinking as you're saying that, oh, we're having a hard time defining eroticism. Try to define sex for a minute and right. figure out even what is sex and what is not sex. That's a difficult definition to make. Yeah, that's humans so are dirty that's and messy and complicated and things change and we, we you know, find we push boundaries here and we pull back on them there. And so I think trying to find a, a you know, firm definition for a human experience, it, it's always just going to be slamming your head into a wall. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that. It's like I've I thought about that. I thought about the idea that erotica can involve, you know, um, uh, something that isn't, you know, it's not. It doesn't. Have, I mean, you know, it's it's like the idea of the senses and tapping in that you said earlier, like bringing it back to the to beginning. You said this sort of working through the senses, and and I think like you know, limiting it to just sex is 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 like such a limit on erotica. Like yeah. it's such an intense oh, limit. Yeah. And I think that there's so much that can be, you know, explored still. And it, it's an interesting platform, especially, like, as you uh, explore your language in front of people. That, to me, is, like, I have to admit, I can't, you know, I, I, I have to admit, is, like, is like in that forum, you know, I'm going to challenge myself to, to come out and read, you know, because I haven't. And it just seems like something I want to do and push myself to challenge. Because it's like, okay, now there's this open forum for this, like, this other form, or these other themes, or honestly, a place for the pieces that I've written that I, I uh, that I hadn't had a forum yet to put them out there and to mm, read. Sure. Them. Yeah. You know, sure. like that. Maybe I wouldn't feel comfortable reading it like a regular, like I, I don't even know what I want to say, like a reading, like a like, a, like, like or like a, an open mic, or a library, or, or an open mic. Yeah, you know what? Like this. Yeah. Okay, so thank you all for joining us today. When can people go to your reading? Uh, our next show is on August 22nd, uh, 8 p.m. at the Always Lounge. And again, that's themed uh, Love You Madly. 
and we're every other Wednesday um, forever. Every other Wednesday. At the Always Lounge at 8 p.m. So count count forward from August 22nd, if nothing else. You can also look on our website, esoterotica.com, and it has a list of all of our dates and themes. And we will put that on the show notes as well. to say what you wanted to and it goes away